You're listening to the Audacious Leadership Podcast. This interview was recorded by Senior Pastor Glenn Barrett during the coronavirus lockdown of 2020. For any more information about us, head to our website, audaciouschurch.com. Neil, I, I read in the news this week, actually, it popped up on my phone that Australia was considering easing lockdown. Is, is that the case? Are you, in a sense, coming to the end of the pandemic and the lockdown and and things like that? Is there hope that church can meet again and, and different things? Well, look, we've, um, there's probably, in Australia, there's um, obviously the national or federal government, we call it, and then there's the states. And so a lot of um, the restrictions are actually run by the state. So our state is probably the most stringent. So we're still about a week and a half off. Mind you, we can go out and exercise. Uh, we can go to uh, work if we can't get work done from home. So there's a number of things we can do that you couldn't do over there. But um, in Victoria, I think we're still probably um, eight weeks away from church at the very earliest um, because obviously large gatherings. But we might get to gatherings of 100. And if we do that, I think Planet Shakers will do about 720 services over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes, eh? whatever it takes. Um, listen, Neil, tonight I've got, I've got, I'm down to about 20 questions that have been sent in <laughs> from different people in, in the business community around the city and around the nation. Lots of people have been emailing in and saying, can you ask Neil this question? And so... We're going to get to that in a few moments. Neil, let's see if we can waste five minutes with a few rapid, rapid questions, rapid answers. Okay. Don't, you know, don't think blink type thing, quick answers, just so we can get to know you a little bit. Cereal or toast? Definitely toast. Uh, What do you have on the toast, by the way? Uh, Peanut paste or butter. I mean, I'm talking to English, so peanut paste. Crunchy, of course. Yeah, crunchy, but it's got to have honey on top as well. Oh, no, kind of, no, it, no, it's no, a bit no, of a no, bit no. of a compromise. All right, jazz or blues? Oh, definitely blues. City or United? Uh, definitely Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, I despise you sometimes. Sneakers or flip flops? <laughs> Sneakers. Okay, basketball, uh, basketball or cricket, mate? Uh, cricket. Yeah, got to be cricket. Steak or pasta? Oh, oh, depends what mood I'm in, but steak most of the time. Good man. Um, curry or pizza? Uh, when I'm in England, curry. When I'm in Australia, pizza. Yeah, or you could do a both. You could have a curry pizza. 80s oh, or gee, 90s, mate? That sounds mate. like something English. 80s or 90s? Uh, definitely 90s. I think when I think of 90s or 80s, I think of music and definitely 90s. Definitely 90s, okay. Beach or shops? Uh, shops. Yeah. As you know. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. And uh, Glenn or Neil? Oh, oh, hang on a minute. I've, I copied that from all the, other, all the other interviews I've done for the last six weeks. Every Friday <laughs> night I've been saying Glenn or Neil. <laughs> all right, mate. Favourite movie? Oh, The Italian Job. Yeah, the first one or the second one? First one. Best First countries. My dude, the second one's good too. Um, favourite book of the Bible? Uh, look, I love the Psalms, but I also love the book of Acts. Okay, in 30 seconds, give us your personal preaching fail. 
My personal, oh, gee, I've got to think about censored and uncensored for that. Um, uh, oh, gee. Um, look, I don't know if it was a preaching fail, but um, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say the word because it's a very bad word in England. Um, well, what about, but, you could do that, you know, or what do you tell the one when you are at an altar call in New Zealand and you're praying for people oh, and then yeah, you tripped? Okay. That's, That's a good a one. very easy one to talk about. So I was prophesying at the end. Was that John Cameron, who many of you will know, uh, his leadership uh, camp, and there was probably about 300 people in the room. I just preached, and it was now prophesying over a few people, and everybody had their eyes closed in the room. I got down from the stage and was walking out the front, and because it was a camp sort of site, they had one of those speaker systems that had the tripod legs. And I was prophesying over a girl, and remember it distinctly. And as I'm prophesying, I stepped backwards into the leg and fell over backwards, literally straight backwards, smacked my head and my elbow on the stage and knocked myself out. Because everybody was in the midst of one of these incredible God moments, nobody actually knew. In fact, apart from a guy, Daniel Tiardi, who was the associate pastor at the time, came running over. All I can remember is I came to, I looked up, and Daniel was standing there. Everybody else was still, you know, come on, Lord, yes. And I'm remember, I'm still in the middle of a prophecy. And all I can remember is waking up thinking, what was I doing? I was prophesying. And so I continued to prophesy over the girl. We asked her later. She had no idea that anything could happen, so she felt she was quite blessed. But uh, that afternoon I had to go to the hospital because I continued to prophesy and continued to minister, but I was in agony. I went sheet white. And I'd actually broken my arm uh, in the process. So the only other funny part about that story is the next day, the PA of John started. He started his first day that Sunday. And because I'd broken my arm, um, I had to call him up to my room. I was running 10 minutes late for the meeting. They were waiting down in the foyer. And I, had, I couldn't get my fly up. So here's his first day, first job, first pastor, first guest minister. I had to call him up to my room. Shihan, who is now their worship pastor, had to do my fly-up. What a great uh, entry into ministry for him. <laughs> By the way, I forgot to tell you, this is live for the next 24 hours and we're recording these as well, so we're going to send it across <laughs> wow. the globe. The truth hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it does. All right, um, I've got to finish with this. Uh, two, two quick questions. Your favourite Planet Shaker song and then the worst Planet Shaker song of all time. <laughs> uh Funnily enough, my favourite Planet Shakers song is probably Looking Out Your Window. Um, I don't know if that's what it's called. I'm not great on remembering the actual names of songs, but it's an oldie for many of you. Um, gee, Praise my, him. That's old school. That's like 2001, isn't it? Yeah. It, I guess it engages all sorts of thoughts and memories of that era sure. when God was doing some amazing things. Yeah. Worst song. Now, that is tough. It's probably one of the songs that nobody's ever heard, and that's part of the reason why nobody's ever heard them. You know, we have, uh, on average, about seven or eight songs a month that we, we do, but nobody else hears. So I can't specifically pinpoint one, to be honest. You are playing this so politically well. You should go into politics. You're not answering <laughs> it's the It's 24 hours. You just hold it. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, for those of you who don't know, Neil and I uh, have been friends for a whole lot of years. He's actually Barnsley born, raised in Australia. 
I'm Manchester born, raised in Australia, and um, we have a lot, a lot in common. We've got a, a deep friendship. He's one of the uh, trustees, the oversight of Audacious Church as well, and um, has walked with us in this journey for the last 15 or 16 years in the UK. Um, so thanks for getting up early and thanks for joining us, mate. Great to have oh, you with us. Um, listen, bud, we, we've got a heap of questions to get through and we have just under kind of 47 minutes or so to, to, to get through this. Some of the questions are, are pretty complex and will require some uh, you know, longer answers, I guess. Um, but we want to get through as many as possible. And also people are dropping questions into the question box as well. But let, let's just start off with this particular virus with this crazy season that we're in. Um, is there a picture or a revelation on the world stage through all the, uh, the global context you have of what you feel God is doing in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic? Of course, we would both agree that we don't believe that God has sent the virus, but we also know that God works good out of every situation. So what's he doing on the world stage, do you think? And, um, and how is he going to use this pandemic for good? So double barrel question there. Sure. I think from my perspective, um, early on in the piece, I, you know, nothing takes God by surprise. So like you said, there's nothing in my ideology that would say God brought this on. But um, God also isn't taken by surprise. And so there must be uh, a purpose that can be used in the midst of this season. So early on, God spoke to me um, a word and uh, I preached it. And, you know, so some people may have heard it, but Really, it's the word restore, and it comes out of, um, you know, in the books of the prophets, Amos chapter 9, it's talking about um, that you will actually have seed time and harvest, you know, concurrently. And so that whole thought, but really, if you understand the context of that, it's the restoration of Israel. So I started to do a study. This is probably only six weeks ago. It feels like so long ago now, but in the context of this, knowing the lockdown was coming, and I've got this whole thought about restore. And to re actually means to strip back, to bring something back to its former glory. And to store is to actually bring provision that you can draw from from a long time to come. Wow. So I started to think, well, what does that mean in this moment? And, and it's amazing how when you get confined, which we've all been in different forms, you suddenly start to get very reflective. And hmm. I believe that um, you know, if you if you can actually get reflective enough to allow God to strip you back in this season, um, maybe there's some things that have been blind spots, have been things you haven't been able to see simply because we've been going so fast. Busyness sometimes, I believe, can be the enemy's greatest distraction. We talk about that he's the enemy that comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I think for the church sometimes, um, for us, it's actually distraction. And we're just sure. so busy doing the church that we actually don't engage in being in relationship with the Lord. So yeah, for me, uh, that restore, but then, okay, what can we store up in this season? What can we actually stockpile for the future? Because that's another meaning of the word store. And uh, and then just a week and a half ago, I was speaking to our business uh, leaders in our church. And the day before I woke up, I don't know if anybody else is waking up, but because our, we're not as active, I'm having some, some dreams at the moment and, Glenn, you know me, I don't actually, I can sleep through anything, but I've been waking up in the night and I had this dream or woke up with this, if you like, a picture of a boat and or a ship. And a ship is designed to go out into the ocean. Mm. But at the moment, it's like, you know, like the aeroplanes, everything else, everything's come back to, to port. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I'm thinking, God, what are you trying to say to me? And he's saying, well, a ship wasn't designed to be in port. It was designed to be in the ocean. But they've right. all been called back. Why? And when you bring a ship back to port, it's either for maintenance or it's to put things, store things up so that when you go on the next voyage, you've actually, what you've got is the sum total of how far you can get. And so I started in this season. So again, globally, I started to think, okay, God, there's opportunity in this season. And so I've started writing a book, Glenn, you know, I've been talking about writing this business book for years. Well, yeah. I'm 28,000 words into it in three weeks <clears> now. Um, because I'm like, it's not just writing a book, but it's actually storing up things that I can speak about. And interestingly, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing with you today, but I've probably got uh, at least 10 invitations all around the world to speak about business. And I've very yeah. rarely spoken about business and set them some. So if we can hear the mind of Christ, be stripped back, God, what is it you're saying to me? And yeah. then we can actually go, that's what you're saying. I'm going to put in a disciplined effort while I've got this time to have some provision for the future. Well, maybe, like no other time in my history anyway, we've actually had the whole world stop. And those who actually store up are going to be far much further ahead, you know, in the future than, than those who have gone, oh, well, I, I watched a lot of Netflix. Oh, well, I played that game 750 times. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to use this season rather than complain about the stoppage, use it as a moment to go forward. I love that, mate. That's, that's, that's a brilliant answer. Actually, I, I love the picture. Next week, we have our Assemblies of God National Conference here all online. And one of the sessions I'm doing is talking about leadership innovation, because one of the things that I really believe that this is about is God bringing the church to a place of innovating in order to move forward. Leadership innovation, business innovation, and different things like that. We're going to get to business in a, in a few moments' time. But the, the, word, the word innovate means to introduce something new. And I think that we're currently in this orbit of newness because what's taking place is every pastor, every leader, every business person, everybody's having to think in new ways, aren't they, about how to do okay. their life. And so naturally innovation's the key. So I think that, you know, our world is going to look different. And one of the things that we've been urging our people is don't just be in a rush to get back to normal because normal doesn't exist. There's a new normal waiting for us. And so I think that's, that's really great. Um, I mean, lots of questions coming in, lots of questions I, I want to get through with you here. Um, and so let me jump into the business then. Thinking business, there's, there's people who are tuning in for tonight and, and we let, we let our, our business community know that we, we're going to be talking business. So lots of people are, are ready and engaged for your answers on this. You are kind of 50, thereabouts, in that kind of age bracket what would yeah, you tell uh, 18th of august i turned 50. i'm there celebrating with all my friends from around the world now via zoom <laughs> by the way, <laughs> hopefully we'll be done by then parties booked but now it's going to be a zoom party <laughs> so here's the question right what would you tell your 30 year old self about the journey of business and ministry sure well number one i think it's the long game I think so often in all forms of life, we play the short game. How can we get rich quick? How can we, um, you know, how can we build different things? And, uh, and, and we think about it in the context of the next year. Churches, they go, what's my vision? What's my word for the year? Uh, businesses think, uh, what's the latest innovation? What can we get on? What? But actually, the people who played the long game uh, are the ones who, you know, uh, are now benefiting from it. So when we were at school, 
uh, I was very focused at school in my high school years, you know, studied and, and listened to the teacher and all of that. I know that you didn't, Glenn, but, but uh, <laughs> basically, in essence, the, uh, the, we've said this a many times, the kid that was the nerd at school or the kid that was studying, the kid that was diligent, uh, now many of us call him boss because he was putting in the applied time. And I think, you know, it's interesting when you hear of, um, oh, just forgetting his name, the guy that philanthropically gave a lot of money to Bill Gates um, uh, out of America. Anyway, he gave he, he gave $30 million, billion, you know, a few years ago. And when I read about his investment strategy, his investment strategy, better to put $10 uh, or, or £10 away a week for your whole life and actually build on the multiple of that than actually, um, you know, put away £100 a year because it's only £20 more, but the significance of being disciplined to do that. Same in the church. When it comes to the business community, I never ask for money. Money is a byproduct. Mm. So, you know, I, I'm not looking for the big gift from somebody, the, 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 the million-dollar check. Hey, if they come, we're, we're, we're praising God. But it's better that one of our business community guys is giving their couple of hundred pounds a week and mm. doing that diligently. And over a lifetime, what they contribute to the church is better than one day I'm going to give a million pounds. I'm going to do this. So if I was in that those shoes again uh, and in business, I would start something and stick with it, get in my lane and understand my lane and just keep building and uh, precept upon precept, line upon line. You know, uh, and, and maybe I look back now and I'm looking forward now and I'm starting to think that 20 years, uh, what investment properties and 20 years is still a significant point of time. But maybe in some areas I look and go, oh, I wish I'd done that 30 years ago because I'd have a 50 year projection. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. And somebody made a comment. Michael made a comment saying it was Warren Buffett who gave the money there Warren to Bill Buffett, Gates. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Listen, another question on this subject then is, as entrepreneurs, somebody's actually sent this question in, as entrepreneurs, should we be prior, prioritising the distribution of personal wealth into church and giving back opportunities to those in need or let our entrepreneurial spirit run free, reinvesting personal wealth into the upskilling of existing teams, innovation and establishing new profitable territories during COVID-19? Sure. Uh, look... I think the answer, and I don't. This isn't a cop-out answer, but it's both. I think I think we've got to understand that if we're called, and I use the terminology ministry of business, if we're called to the ministry of business, then a, a primary part of what we do. There's two key areas. There's building influence, which I can talk about a bit more later, and and making money. I say to our business community all the time: if you haven't made any money in the last two years, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I called to business? A lot of people say I'm called to the Ministry of Business and they're not making any money. So it's an ideal, it's a, oh, I'd love to. Um, but if you're actually making money, you've got to ask yourself, are you making money because of your innovation? Because I believe if you're, if you're called to anything, ministry, business, education, the sport, you actually aspire or, or give that credence to God for you being in the position you're in. And so the only way that you can actually communicate that in a business sense is actually by giving back to God what belongs to him. So as soon as you actually say, if I put more in now, I'll have more later, you've actually taken God out of the equation. And as a faith community, we've got to understand that primarily 
it's a first fruit. We're going to give it to him first and believe that it's him that's going to bring the multiple, him yes. that's going to give the innovative idea that's actually going to propel us forward. So I think it's both, but I think you can't take away the seed of giving continuously. Yeah, we're going to carry on, you know, talking about business now, Neil, but but let me ask this question. I, You know, I am 40, how old am I? I'm 48 years of age. And um, one of the things that, that's surprised me um, has kind of baffled me in some senses is that I guess for about 40 years, at least, you know, I've been involved in honoring God first with my finances. What, what do you think it is that's, that so many Christian people, followers of Jesus, really struggle with the concept of honoring God first with their finances? You know, the concept of the tithe, returning to God, that which is his. Why do you think that there's such a battle that goes on in society? I think some countries, some cultures get it more than others. Um, but certainly in the United Kingdom, over 24 years of being here, it, it's, it's felt like a constant, a constant conversation or a constant um, struggle for people to break through in this area of, of that. What do you think that's about? Bottom line is I think it's two key words. It's trust and control. I think in, in, um, in the preface or in the base culture of Africa, in the base culture of Asia, in the base culture of South America, by the way, even in a fiscal sense as well as a church sense, the nations or the continents that are growing are those three continents. In their DNA, God is central. Or maybe put it in a way, spirituality is central. Right. You can talk to anybody in an African culture and you start talking about God, there's no rejection of that. It's, it's, it. But if I talk about God in, um, in Australia or I talk about God in England, um, there's a massive default in society and culture, not just in the church, to actually say anything to do with God and spirituality is control. And I, yeah. I believe it's something that the enemy's thrown up um, because the funny thing is the premise of the church was probably built in England um, that is transported throughout the earth. But somewhere in the, uh, along the way, maybe because of um, leadership that's brought about control from the church. So many of the issues we face today, many of the ideological issues, whether it comes to relationships, money or other things that we're facing in the world, is being birthed, I think, out of cynicism. And cynicism really is a lack of trust. Mm. What that really comes down to is somewhere along the way people have been hurt or they've had an experience and so they put up a wall. And so I think we feel the wall. When I, when I speak about money in the UK, I talk to you about it often, Glenn. It's, it's a lot more difficult in the UK to talk about money not because anybody's saying anything to me. You can feel a spiritual war. But if I talk right. about money in the context of the kingdom in Africa, they've got a lot less per head of capita, but they are open to give because they relate to God is my source. And I think we've defaulted to I am my source. And so anybody or anything, and particularly spiritual leaders, are really going to sell me a lie and I'm going to end up hurt. And I don't think all the individuals think that, but it's generational now. People yeah, are right. actually living under that. And uh, that's why we've got to breed new cultures of business communities and giving, you know, as yeah. you've done in Audacious, but as we've got to do right across the church. Yeah. I mean, I love that verse, you know. David says, I was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. And there's that, that sense where, you know, as followers of Christ that's the constant sense of trusting him, giving him control, trusting him, giving control. 
it's not just a financial issue, issue is it? It's it's in so many different areas of our lives. But that's a fantastic answer. Great to have Reggie Dabs on tonight as well. Reggie. Reggie Reggie wants to know why you don't support Man City. Why would you support Chelsea instead of Man City? That's his question. Well, because like you, Reggie, I'm not a turncoat that gets bored a jumper from Glen and then decides to follow a football team. <laughs> ah, Chelsea. Okay, um, listen, great, great answer to that question there. I, I think when you think about main keys to success in business and just help everybody understand how many are in the business community that you're currently pastoring, you know, that, that business community, what does that look like? Sure. I think... I think, uh, you know, you talk about it in multiples. So there's probably about 100 that would be core, you know, people that are totally what I'd call a planet business. You know, this is their call, this is their ministry. They're pulled in tight. They're past it. I think there'd be 500 that are a little wider and then mm-hmm. there could be potentially another 500 on top of that who would show up to the odd event, um, you know, and I think that's a... a, a you know, right there, that's that's a symptom of, of, of business. Some people, our business group and what we do, and if you like, the multiple, you know, answering the question that you asked, I think uh, we've been taking people on a trajectory that says business isn't on the side, business is central to church. Why? Because influence is ultimately what the church is about. So, you know, the Bible says in Matthew 14, uh, sorry, 5, Verse 14, you know, you are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hill and, and, and it can't be hidden because it's on the hilltop. Right. Now, the church, particularly the Pentecostal church for many years, has said, let's stand on our soapbox and let's preach. But you're in England, we're in Australia, and in, in Australia, I'm not sure the stats, but I think it's 11% of the population go to church and half of them, it's Christmas and Easter and that's it. You know, so... We are living in a secular culture. And mm. so how do we actually influence uh, a city? You know, how do we live by principles? Well, um, we've probably got to be less overt as the Pentecostal church is in the marketplace and more covert. And I think we've celebrated people who stand on soapboxes more than we, which is only ever going to be 2% of the church population, the, the staff or the committed you know, ministry core, mm. but the, 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 the marketplace ministers um, is, could be as high as 98%. So we've got to put some focus on helping them to understand their role. And so, again, I know I'm coming back to the same point, but, but a, a marketplace minister needs to understand that they are called. So a primary value is are you called to the ministry of business or do you go to work? Because if you go to work, it's a different ideal. You're about making money. If you go, if you are called to the marketplace, your primary objective is not making money. Because remember, money is a byproduct. Right. If you do something or anything well, money will follow. It's just, you know, the way we reward in Western culture is financially. So if you do something well, money will follow. But the challenge is, so what is the objective? Well, the objective is buying influence. If I'm called, I want the church of Jesus Christ to be a city on a hill that cannot be ignored. And so right. the best way that I can do that is become the best in my field and suddenly I start to buy influence, whatever that is. And mm. so I think the primary objective of a business person in, 
in the kingdom is not money. It's actually becoming the best that I possibly can be so that I can buy influence. So at the right moment, I can be a herald in that forum. And I, I know that's not saying here's all the principle, but that to me, if you can't get that right, which in our business community, the hundred and maybe half of the 500 think like that, um, then we're not really going to see uh, a city one because it's not going to happen in the four walls of church just preaching every week. That's a critical part, the celebration coming together. But we've also got to have people who are thinking, why am I out here? I'm the commissioner. I'm a police officer who wants to become the commissioner of police. I'm a teacher that wants to be involved in setting the education code. And so suddenly we're opening those gateways, as you talk about in your church, Glenn, that actually, uh, you know, create an opportunity for the church to truly become that city on a hill. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Brilliant answer as well. And worth really listening to, actually, for everyone. We, you know, a lot of a lot of our business team are actually on tonight. You know, I'm seeing comments come up from from some of our team. Yeah, I can see John Bracegirdle. Johnny, there. yeah, and Rachel. Yeah. I saw Rachel's Rachel there, and Aaron's there. Listen, I, I guess my heart as a pastor for for all the people in our church who are employed, employees, employers, but people in business, you know, in general, is just to want them to be a success. You know, I want them to be a success, not not primarily so they can feel good about themselves because actually the feeling good about ourselves is such a, is such a misnomer. You know, I, I think, I think really we only truly get to know ourselves by getting to know God. There's, there's a, a real strong link between knowing God and having, having strength and identity and things like that. Our heart is really for my heart is really to see them become a success so they can have this, this influence in society, you know, to buy success, to become greater influences, to be involved in, really reshaping the culture of the day. I think what this pandemic has done, Neil, is it's, it's really kind of in some senses to me, um, reorientated values or honor in society, the way the Bible speaks about. So in the sense that, you know, prior to the pandemic, uh, pandemic, we were elevating and society was worshiping, you know, the sports stars and the movie stars and the reality TV stars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But now what's happening is we're actually elevating and honoring those who serve society, which is the, the doctors, the nurses, the paramedics, the delivery drivers, the postmen, yeah. the, the garbage people, you know, and, and all these sorts of things, which is quite amazing. And Jesus said, if you want to be great, be a servant. And there's almost this sense of we're coming back to, to kingdom values, it feels to me in some senses, which I think means that society is going to look different post-pandemic. Give, give us your maybe two, top two or three things that you think we should look out for coming out of lockdown in how maybe you would think society and business will look different once lockdown's lifted. Well, look, I think, I think realistically... Um, you know, it's true what you say. Even even the way that we look at politicians at the moment or leaders of nations, you know, look at your leader of your nation. The whole world is talking about praying for your leader while he was in hospital. Now, uh, with Brexit and other things, it wasn't long before that the whole world was saying, you know, what an idiot or whatever we were saying and really disregarding or disrespecting. Right now, there's a challenge for us as the church because we've got political leaders and you know there's all sorts of comments like a nanny state and 
are we being you know dictated to but really we're coming back to a place where all of us need to be subjected to someone else and one of the most challenging things for someone who owns their own company is it's very hard to come into a church environment because their whole life is I make my own decisions then I come into a church and it becomes a level playing field and I believe that's the way God intended it to be that mm. we all should be subjected you know I, I speak with great experience from this perspective because I was running my own church and then coming and working and Glenn you know you and I've talked about those struggles over the years not a struggle with Russell and Sam Evans a struggle with being subjected to someone else because it's just easier to do my own thing um, and and but actually it's in the struggle that we actually rely on God so if, if I'm under somebody else and they're not doing what I want them to do then I petition a higher authority being God and 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 then it might my, my whole ecosystem personally is based on God, are you going to come through for me? And I think many of us have been in this slipstream. It's interesting what you say. You know, it amazes me that TV reality stars who have many of them, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but many of them haven't done their hard yards to get anything in life. And suddenly they're thrust, you know, we're watching things on Netflix um, of certain personalities. And I'm thinking to myself, why is this guy just become the world's most prominent person? <laughs> um, and, and, but, but there's something in all of, all of us that when a prime minister stands up and gives a great speech about, come on, let's stand together, that we all feel order. Mm. And without order, we don't have commanded blessing. So mm. I think what's really important is, is your business in order? You know, back to that stripped back thought I had before. Is your church relationship in order? You know, is your, you know, the things that I would say are fundamentals, not you've got to be a part of a church, you've got to attend a church. My belief is that if I'm subjected and submitted in a church environment, it's part of me being in order and order brings commanded blessing. Yeah. And so I think it's important that we have a look at our priority structures and that's probably the easiest way for us to see it because what we thought our priority structures were five weeks ago have entirely changed. Like yeah. I've got a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old and I feel like I got to know them again. Now, that sounds great. What a great moment. But I've got to ask the question, why does that feel so great? And why is having a meal around the table and why doing a jigsaw together? And I'm not saying we're going to go back to that, when we, but how do I keep some of that? Because that's order in my family. So yeah. in, the, in this season, I think, for commanded blessing, which is ultimately what we're all looking to have in whatever area of life, how do we make sure we actually get order back into our, you know, priority structure? Brilliant. So I, we're talking I don't know about if I directly answer the question, but well, but yeah, I think you have. I, I think in the sense that we, we're talking about having a reordered life and business, lining up the priorities so that actually the blessing of God can flow over our lives post-pandemic. You know, I think, and here's a conversation you and I have had many times over the years, is that if there's you know two leadership styles, one is transactional, in that if you give me yeah. this, I will give you that. And we know of cultures where that exists, don't we, Neil? Um, and yeah. the other is transformational leadership. And transformation leadership is actually servant leadership, the Jesus model. And so really what we're seeing is the elevation of the Jesus model of leadership um, and less conversation about I want, I need, but society seems to be about how can I be a blessing in your life? What can I do? Um, it's fantastic. Neil, 
if for you, what would what would be your top two or three scripture verses for business leaders right now, for people called to the ministry of business who are watching and watching kind of the rerun of this uh, in the next 24 hours, that you would say these would be the th- three great Bible verses to anchor your faith, your expectation in business for right now. What would that be? Well, look, uh, it's funny, but we've got to remember. So the premise is that Matthew chapter five fourteen. You must remember why you're on earth. We're on earth to make Jesus famous. So mm-hmm. a city on a hill cannot be, you know, so we must have that in, you know, so that's one of my favourite to talk to uh, business leaders about, you know. Uh, another one would be also understanding uh, something I touched on, but again in the book of Matthew where it talks about in 1815, you know, that covert, it's probably the best scripture for covert and overt where we hear about, you know, look, I'm sending you out as a sheep uh, among mm. wolves and so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, you know, actually don't have a mode of operation that is, oh, well, I am just the personality type. I'm a, I'm a choleric, so I just get in there and I do this. You know, I think we've got to be very careful that we're actually led rather than driven. And to be led, we actually have to recognise that we can take on a different persona. And, and that scripture really sums that up. Um, obviously, very simple scripture, but we all know it in Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and right. his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Um, uh, but then then probably one that really sticks for me is, uh, you know, the, the whole premise of uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, you know, which obviously is talking about, do you not know uh, that all the runners run but run in such a way as to get the prize. That such a way grips me. Yeah, right. So what is your such a way as a business person? And remember, we all get into this mentality when we start thinking about plunder, going to take, you know, the city and we're going to win this. But actually Jesus wasn't saying we're pitted against each other. Mm, He wasn't mm. saying that we're all, you know, um, that we've got this uh, sense of, uh, that we're running a race and there's only one prize. He said run in such a way as to get the prize. So he's not pitting us against each other. We're all running in a lane side by side. We've all got the common goal, which is to make Jesus famous. So don't get consumed with what the guy's doing in the lane next to you. Run in your lane. And so for me, this is a key one for business people because in the corporate sector, it's climb the corporate ladder, take somebody else down. But in the kingdom... Yeah. It's run beside each other. And some will perceive to have gone further, make more money, you know, have more influence. But if we all recognise that we're all part of that body, then we run in such a way that is the measure that God has given me. And we'll all end up standing before the Lord getting our prize, um, which ultimately will be the prize and the trophy for the church, which is winning cities. I, I don't want to talk about winning cities anymore. I want to win cities. And so we need to have people who have the ideology that says, I'm going to run in such a way as to, 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 to achieve what God's purpose me to achieve and encourage the guy running next to me. You know? Yeah, and what's brilliant about what you're saying is I think where society becomes so focused on what somebody else has, you know, there's, there's a concept, you know, we look at what we don't have compared to what somebody else does have and forget that our lane is, is right there. So for every business person watching this, you know, you, your lane is before you 
the key is not what's happening next to you, but actually it's before you run and, and run well. Um, let's talk about faith for a moment. And uh, Abby's on here right now. Abby is one of the athletes uh, who represents Team GB uh, coming Olympics. And she is like a champion in long jump. Hey, Abby, good to have you with us. So you're loving this story tonight about running your lane, aren't you, girl? Um, listen, let's talk about faith for a moment in, in, in this time. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. So yeah. in, in a, that's what the Bible says. So in a, in a world and in an in a economic downturn of which many businesses are seeing, I've seen just this you know, crazy statistic coming out of America of the massive increase of unemployment, and, and, and truly that's happening globally. Um, gosh, how do, how do the business leaders out there live and lead their business in faith when the evidence of what's happening in the economy and in business shows the very opposite of what they're believing for. So you've got faith and you've got fear. How, how do you marry? How, how do you hold that tension and, and walk the faith-fear journey? Well, look, I, I, you know me, Glenn. I am a guy that – so there's opportunism and there's opportunity opportunism is destructive because ultimately it's about what I get. It's that mm. transactional mentality. But if you recognise that uh, some of the greatest innovation, you know, the Great Depression is where Disney came out of. He had the idea in the middle of the Great Depression and he started Disney. And today we go, wow, that's incredible. So why is that? Well, often when we're in struggle is when we really get before God. And great innovation comes when we spend time with God. So the great, right. uh, the great thing that drags us away from God is busyness. We're all trying to build something. Mm. But actually, I learned from one of uh, – I've got a billionaire friend in Asia. And he, he, he started – I think I've told you the story, Glenn, but he started taking Mondays off when he first got saved. He's only been saved about 18 years, but he was a billionaire before that. In fact, his father built the um, – you know, the underground train system in Singapore, which was one of the first great. And so he made a lot of money. He got gifted a lot of money. But when he came into Christianity, he observed that many religions took time out to pray during the middle of the week. But the, the Christians didn't. They were all mm. sort of busy and went to church on Sunday, busy again. So he decided he would take Mondays off and pray and fast. And then he'd have his board meeting and his director's meeting on Tuesday and his sales, he owns hotels all over Asia, his sales went from averaging about 70% to 90% in three months of doing that. So he was so convinced wow. that he started to make all his executives take days off to pray on Monday. Funny part was only 40% of his executive even had a faith. Um, so I don't know what they did, but, uh, <laughs> but <he laughs> Play golf. they watched his trajectory increase. And he believes that what they were learning was when you make space, you get ideas. And mm. when you've got an idea, uh, it's ideas that make money, not money doesn't make money or, or work doesn't make money because I can pay you £20 an hour and you're capped even if you do 60 hours. But if you come up with an idea, the Apple Mac or, you know, a smartphone, or then you're unhinged in the amount of money you can make. So why isn't it that we spend more time with God getting an idea because he's the source of all idea and allow that to actually inspire us. So in this moment, so give you an example. 
And I, I don't say because I, I believe that faith is a substance in itself. It's a feeling. It's a, but you know, the faith is the substance of things hoped for, but yet unseen. So, it, it, if I'm going to be full of faith, then it's in moments where it's challenged that usually you have to exercise faith because you need the God component. And it, interesting thing about faith is without faith, it's impossible. Not, it, it, it's impossible. So if we're not exercising faith. So isn't this the perfect moment to say, how can I exercise faith? Because right now is the in the natural, take risk. Wow, this is a bad time to do. But by faith, it's important. Wow. So we, we, we started, as you might know, but we start, I went to Russell five weeks ago. It seems like two years ago, but I went to him and I said, I, I, I was brought into our Empower, which is like our charitable arm at Planet Shakers, really because it wasn't sustainable. We had a lot of mercy people doing great stuff, but they weren't raising any money. So eight months ago, I, I thought, how do we build the, the, the money pool? And I got involved and became the chairman of the board. We did a fundraiser and we raised $100,000, which sounds great, but I thought was average. And, but what it did is it put some money in the bank. Five weeks ago, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do in this season? And I felt like he said, what your plan is, for Empower for two years, start today. So I went to Russell and I said, Russell, I've got this money in the bank. I want to go from one centre where we're feeding 200 people. I feel there's going to be this moment um, where there's going to be a feeding crisis. Now, we're all going, yeah, we can see that now, but honestly, it wasn't there five weeks ago. And so we built five pop-up centres in campuses and I even got a couple of warehouses from our business people. We went from feeding 200 people to last week we had 1,902 people that came to our centres. I mean, it's increased by nearly 10 times in four weeks. Mm. First week, we paid $10,000 for food, you know, 5,000 mm. pounds. Just for the food, it grew to, you know, 450 or something. Last week, we had 1,902. This week, it's probably going to be over 2,000. Here's the funny part. This week, I've got, I'm going to have enough for a week and a half's food and we're paying $1,000 for the food this week because part of the plan for two years was to get all the major supplies. So, you know, you have um, the, the supermarket supplies there in the UK, whoever they are. Well, we've now got the four biggest supplies. So they go to supermarkets when stuff's nearly expired. We've now got signed agreements with all four in the last four weeks. So Love now it. they're delivering. We used to get half a tonne of food to feed the people. We've now, this week, got eight tonne, and next week we'll get 12 tonne of food. Actually too much. We've had to build a new store, had to buy some new freezers. Now my money's being spent on how do we store it up, not how do we get the food. Yeah. But I'm telling you that story, and people go, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. I didn't think of it. I had this God thought. I rung Russell. He goes, yeah, let's do it. We spent 60 grand. Crazy. You know, when we're closing down and is the church even going to have money? But that substance, mm. you know, there was something there that said this is the moment and stepping Love into it. it. But how did it come? I'd had three days at home thinking, I don't know if I can stand this for the next whatever period of time. And then God just started to download. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's a practical example, a working model right now. Um, like they're literally the team rang me yesterday and they said, we just got seven pallets of food from one of the suppliers Love it. and some of it was yogurt and, or yogurt or whatever you say there and, uh, and 
we've got nowhere to put it. What do we do? And uh, I was like, wow, less money and too much food. It sounds a bit like, you know, the, 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 the loaves and fishes story to me. But yeah, that's totally. what faith will do. Listen, we're gonna we've got to finish in eight minutes, but Neil, you've really touched on a on a fantastic point in terms of God thoughts, innovative ideas. Um, I know, for example, in our church, we have some business people who, because of the lockdown, the lockdown has necessitated that for them, they've had to think different ways, and um, they're coming up some really amazing creative ideas, a different expression of what they do that. Had there not been this lockdown, they probably wouldn't have been thinking this way. And, and you know, let's attribute these these God thoughts, these thoughts to God for these innovation. I want you to take 30 seconds, 45, a minute to, to pray for everyone right now, Neil, um, regarding this, this whole idea of God ideas. Let's really believe that just even tonight, as people take space after this interview, that God, the Spirit of God just drops nuggets into their hearts. And um, so would you just pray for everyone for a moment? Thanks. Sure. Lord, we come to you right now and wherever you are right now, you know, you're in your home, why don't you just lift your hands like you're about to receive. Just just, just put your hands out. Mm. And, and God, I pray right now for each person that sits there. Lord, we have made it so complex, all our learning, all our understanding, how are we going to do it, processes. God, I pray that we would deconstruct for a moment. We would be stripped back for a moment. We would come to that place where you would re, you would strip us back, position us. And God, I pray, even right now, I pray that there would be revelation that would come to people, that there would be a revealed word that would be dropped in their heart. That seed idea that's been going around in their head for two weeks, they mm. would have the courage of their conviction to take the substance, the faith, and actually apply it. God, I pray even from this moment that there would be a sense that people, wherever they are in the world, wherever they're listening right now, either now or over the next 24 hours, that there would be a deposit by faith that innovation would come and we would see things in future history, just like we talked about Walt Disney, ideas, creativity, things that would happen that would potentially change the earth. God, I pray that those seed thoughts of revelation would come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, brilliant. Thanks. Thanks so much, Neil. And listen, folks, if uh, God starts dropping ideas into your heart, just let us know. Just just send an email into church. Hello at audaciouschurch.com. We'd love to hear the stories of what God's doing in you and through you. I think, Neil, it was, it was um, Disney who said imagination is better than knowledge. And the Disney industry has got this, this major multi-billion dollar side of what they do called imagineering. And their imagineering budget is is amazing. And of course, that's the God we have, isn't it? Ephesians 3.20, he can do more than we can ask or imagine. As a, as a great way to encourage, you know, all of our business people out there watching right now in this moment, could you give us an example of maybe one of your business associates in the life of church who um, you're seeing them thrive and excel during this crisis? Do you have an example of that for us that you can share? Yeah, look, um... Obviously, uh, some of you will know, but we've got a guy and his wife called Jahing and Adlin. They came across to our church in, um, in uh, about 10, 11 years ago to study from Malaysia, both of them, since then got married. And, uh, and then now they've actually um, started a business called Bueller International. And just this week, they uh, received notification. If anybody follows me on Insta, you would have seen me, me notify that. It's called the um, 
the, the twisting towers, but basically it's this innovative building. It now will be the largest building in the Southern Hemisphere. It got approved. And, and so often people look at that, a $2 billion project, the, the largest project ever in Melbourne's history. Um, it's two towers and it's, you know, 15 storeys higher than any built building ever built here. Now, the, she's 31, pregnant with a second child. He's 32. She's an architect. He's a business, you know, guy. But 12 years ago, I sat in a coffee shop with Jahin and we talked about, imagine if we ran together what we could do to change a city. Now, these guys got invited to, uh, you know, some of the... Um, some of the political parties think tanks. These guys um, have been have won international awards, and people look and go, "How do you get somebody like that? If you're a pastor or if you're a business person, how do I get to that place?" Well, if you look at this couple, their whole company serves at conference. They shut down their company. Glenn, you probably had them drive you, you know, when you've been at our conference. Mm -hmm. uh, one year they did it, and they were in the middle of their biggest sales marketing campaign, but they stopped everything. And the amazing story was the next week they sold out, which had never happened in Australia's history. Uh, I can't remember, 380 apartments in, in a week. And they had to close down the rest of the tour that they were doing around Asia and Australia to sell. Um, but Jahing gave first fruits. When he finished university, I never knew this until a, a year ago, he gave his first fruits and uh, he gave his whole income for the whole year. He said, well, I've been living as a student with no money, so... I want to be someone who's, who's you know, used by God significantly. So for a whole year, he gave his whole income into the, into the you know, uh, wow. church. And so now we look and we go, wow, look at what's happening. They got unanimous support from the whole council. It's never happened in history to a big tower. Councils don't like towers. Uh, the state government, because of uh, COVID, guess what? That building got fast-tracked. We need the jobs. So where it was probably going to be another six months, he suddenly in a week got his license. Wow. Is that coincidence? No, it's because, you know, these guys have sowed their life into the church. They believe the church is the fabric of who they are. They don't have a separate giving fund to some charity or it all goes to the church because they believe a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And, yeah. and therefore they've been in, in capture. And so now they're 32. Wow. They could be going for another 30, 40 years. We truly could win the city. They could build half the buildings in the city. Um, and they're just one lane. But imagine if we can get a whole host of people like that in the church. Love that. So it's God first. We have one minute and 18 seconds left. Neil, I want to thank <laughs> you so much for waking up at 4.30 in the morning on a Saturday to join with us tonight and um you know doesn't last matter week, days at the moment blend <laughs> i know you can go back to bed but listen last week we had you know two and a half thousand people watch watch the whole q a through and we're believing that you know thousands of people as a result of, of our time together tonight we'll be able to just kind of sit back and get the revelation from god and things like that just um listen final question what what are you looking forward to do the most when lockdown is lifted don't say go to church because obviously that's obvious where, what restaurant, movie, you want to jog around the park? What's the one thing you want to do? <laughs> I want to go to a seconds. great game of football, any sport, and I want to go and eat a huge steak in one of my favourite restaurants here in Melbourne. <laughs> That's it. That's what I want to do. Come on, baby. Well, listen, mate, uh, I'll, call you, I'll call you when we're finished, and I'll see you on Wednesday as well. Listen, everybody, stay safe out there. In.
Great we love you all so much. We're praying for you. You're in our hearts. Stay tuned. Love you all. Stay safe. Have a great sleep tonight in the UK. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. We'd love for you to join us at one of our church services happening every Sunday, 10, 12, and 5.30 p.m. 